Sheol is talking about death. Turn me down just a little bit in the house, Andrew. So remain seated. Let's read together from the screen, Psalm 88, verses 1 to 5. O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry, for my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to Sheol. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am a man who has no strength, like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand." Psalm goes on like this, several more verses. And in one translation, the psalm ends with these words, Darkness is my closest friend. Two thoughts on this as we begin. First, God wants this kind of honesty from us. He wants this kind of honesty all the time, whether, whatever life is like, whether it's good or hard. Second, the darkness of the psalm is a result of the brokenness that sin and rebellion against God has brought into the world. Last Sunday and today, our theme is trusting God's character. Last week, we looked at our struggle with fear and worry. Today, we look at our struggle with depression. Now, as a general rule, we do not talk much about depression because it's depressing. What? So what I'm going to do is start out by talking about depression, trying to give us a basic understanding. Then we're going to look at some scripture. And as I'm giving you this basic understanding, it might seem something like a lecture. You might think I've just thrown you back into school. And what do you typically do when you're in school and the teacher's talking about something that really doesn't connect with you? Well, you just glaze over. Well, don't glaze over. In fact, dig even deeper because you see, if our understanding of depression is vague, and it's going to be if we don't talk about it at all, our recognition of depression is going to be vague, and our help is going to be less helpful. So here's the first thing to say. All of us can have feelings of depression at one time or another. In fact, you can go one step further and say you can be sure that all of us will have feelings of depression at some point in our lives, whether it is brief or extended. When people talk about their experience of depression, when they describe it, you often hear them talk about pain. Might be physical pain, but often it's emotional pain. Or on the other side, emotional numbness. They just have trouble feeling anything. They talk about dejection and fears, anxieties, restlessness, torment, alienation suicidal thoughts, and guilt. And you know what? None of these are attractive to us. Yet they're all part of the human experience. Next, I want to share with you a technical definition. And this is of what I believe would be called clinical depression, a very serious situation. It's from the DSM-4, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. And here it is. Depression is a condition usually with five or more of the following symptoms within a two-week period. Now, I think they talk about two weeks because there's a difference between having one of these occasionally and having several of these all at once. And that's what they're trying to build this picture of. So let's, you know, because all of us can have a time where we feel down, even for a day or two, and yet we, we, we kind of work our way out of it and we're fine. 
Here, this is not fine. This is, this is serious. So here they are. First, a depressed mood most of the day. And you'll notice that the way they describe it, the darkness of depression doesn't have to be 100% of the time. Next, noticeably diminished interest or pleasure in all or almost all activities most of the day. Now, you know this is academic because none of us talk like this. But notice what it's saying. We don't have any interest. We're not getting enjoyment in, in most of what goes on. But not only that, it is clear enough that other people see that we don't have this interest or enjoyment. Significant weight loss when you're not dieting, which means you're not eating well. Or for some people, it's the other side, eating too much and weight gain. Insomnia or hypersomnia nearly every day. So insomnia is too little sleep or no sleep. Hypersomnia, too much sleep. Fatigue or loss of energy nearly every day. Feelings of worthlessness or excessive or inappropriate guilt. Diminished ability to think or to concentrate. Now, I think all of us may have experienced one of these to some degree, but often there's some other reason for it. We're going to talk about causes in a second. But here, what they're saying is several of these come together for a person. So in less technical terms, depression includes a dark mood, little motivation, feeling like you're often tired, negative thinking, and unclear thinking. But remember that there are, consider that there's a spectrum of feelings of depression from mild to severe. Now, this next slide was kind of eye-opening to me. Possible causes of feelings of depression. And these are not the whole list, but they're good representative. But notice as you look at the list, the top four are physical. Surgery and sickness can cause dark, you know, that dark mood, feelings toward depression. Childbirth, chemical imbalance in the body. That could be from illegal drugs, drugs that shouldn't be in your body at all. But nowadays, especially, it can be from uh, side effects of medication. And lots of medication have side effects. They don't always touch us, but they're there. But then the other possibility is this. Sometimes our bodies just aren't working right. They're not, it's not producing the chemicals and other things we need for our body to function correctly. And then sleep loss. Now, you could say, well, sleep loss could come from worry, and it can, but there also can be physical causes like insomnia or sleep apnea. If you've ever had sleep apnea, that's a condition where you sleep, but it's a disturbed sleep because you have trouble breathing, and your body will kind of start, shift your body. Your brain will do this to your body every time you have trouble breathing. It's not usually enough to wake you all the way up. But the result is this, you wake up in the morning and you're tired. So you go through the day, you're doing more, you get more tired. And what happens the next night? You have disturbed sleep, you don't sleep restfully, you wake up tired. And this goes on day after day after day. You can see how that would tend somebody towards a dark mood, okay, having this kind of trouble. The next two are situational or relational, though they could have also aspects of uh, spirit, selfishness in them to often that contribute to especially to the relational side. You can have job loss or other kind of losses. It could include the death of a family member or a friend or maybe one of your closest uh, 
friends or family members moves. They're not, you know, physically present. But I want to add one to the list that's that all of us are dealing with, and that's COVID. They now talk about COVID fatigue. Okay, you get tired of being isolated. You get tired of the restrictions of not having the normal life we had before March. Okay, or actually whenever it was that COVID actually touched us. We're now eight months into it. And we, as Dan was mentioning, we got new restrictions starting tomorrow that touch especially social events and things. Other kinds of losses. Then there's financial or relational and other kinds of difficulties. And then the third area is spiritual. This is ongoing sin. This is where a person gives themselves to bitterness or worry, to jealousy or anger. And then that last one I mentioned there is guilt. Now the guilt could be real. Sometimes we unintentionally or intentionally do something to hurt somebody else and we feel guilty. It could also be imagined. Some people have what you might call an oversensitive conscience. They're, they think that they are responsible for more than they actually are. And when things happen that they actually have no control over, they feel guilty about it. But there's one other kind of guilt that I want to mention that it's very subtle. And this is, uh, this is one for all of us. Sometimes we feel guilty because we fail ourselves. We have built this picture, this ideal of who we want to be. And we think, for example, the perfect me will always be kind and understanding. The perfect me will always be witty and charming. The problem is we're not. Okay, you add the rest of your list, whatever it is. Okay, buff, you know, um, whatever it is, you add it there, but we're not. And so sometimes we feel guilty because we've failed our idol. That's really what it is, not just an ideal, an idol. Well, one other thing to, to, to recognize is that body and soul affect each other. You've already seen from those three kinds of causes that a physical ailment can darken our mood. If you've had surgery or you're sick, if you've got long-term insomnia and things like that. But a struggle with depression can also affect our bodies and actually change our brain chemistry so it's easier to stay in the darkness. They, they affect each other. As I was preparing for the sermon, I ran across this quote from Abraham Lincoln. He said, I am now the most miserable man living. If what I feel were equally distributed to the whole human family, there would not be one cheerful face on the earth. That's some pretty serious darkness. Whether I shall ever be better, I cannot tell. To remain as I am is impossible. I must die or be better, it appears to me. This is a picture of depression. Okay? So that's some basic understanding of what's involved with depression. With, and having looked at that, now let's go back to our verses we just read from Psalm 88. In verse 1, the writer says, I cry out day and night. It's not, a, it's not occasional, it's constant. And you get the picture that he's calling out from the darkness. Verse 2, let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. Writer's asking God to listen. So he's basically asking, God, do you hear me? And I think tied right in with that is, God, do you care? God, right now you seem very distant. 
from me. Verse 3, my life is full of troubles. I think I will die. Verse 4, I have no strength. God, I'm tired. And in verse 5, it's a figurative way of, figurative way of saying, God, have you forgotten me? This is a picture of depression. Well, as I said at the very beginning, there's all kinds of different psalms. Some are light and full of praise and thanks, and some have darkness. In almost all of the psalms that do have a piece that is dark, maybe even most of it is dark, yet the writer will, before he ends, gets to the end of the psalm, turn to God and express faith or hope. There's darkness, but then the, the darkness lightens. Okay, the mood lightens. Well, in this psalm, there is no obvious turn. But even in this psalm, where there is no obvious turn from darkness to thanks or praise or faith or hope, it's still implied if you look very closely. In the whole psalm, which is more than what we read, the writer addresses God four times. In verse 2, O Lord, let my prayer come before you. In verse 9, Every day I call upon you, Lord. Verse 13, O Lord, I cry to you. And in verse 14, sounds like a complaint, O Lord, why do you cast my soul away? But what is the writer doing? The writer's talking to God, and you can... And I believe, as you look at it, the writer's expecting God to answer. So he's not just like talking to the wind. The writer's expecting God to answer, and you might have missed it. But in verse 1, the writer calls God, God of my salvation. I think the, even in the darkness here with this psalm, there's still a glimmer of hope because of God. Now, Two other thoughts. A person can be experiencing feelings of depression and still love God, read the Bible, and, and seek to obey God. Things that we all ought to be doing and may be doing. This means that depressed people can still be thankful and confident, having, you know, looking to God and, and struggling with feelings of depression are not mutually exclusive. The second one. We should be careful of the tendency that is common today to classify all depression as a disease. Remember, we looked at three types of causes. That was gotten from studies where they've looked. And so very, very clearly, there are physical contributors and relational and situational contributors and spiritual contributors. But there's a tendency today, especially from people who do not believe that God exists or that his word is worth anything to classify all depression as a disease. Well, that moves depression totally into the realm of a medical problem or a biological deficiency. Okay, And it makes it very easy then for a person who is struggling with depression to pick up on the idea that they're a victim. If this is a condition, if it's a disease, then maybe I'm a victim of it. And it's then a small step to go from that to say, you know what, because it's a condition and a disease and whatnot, then that relieves me of any personal responsibility of what I do while I'm in the darkness. Well, that's really dangerous because it goes totally contrary to what God says, which is he's going to hold us accountable for all of our choices. Well, let's look at some hope and some help. So I have two questions that I'm going to ask and answer. 
what can you and I do to help someone else who is battling feelings of depression? So what can we do to help someone else who is struggling? And here are this, this list of things. Be physically present. And by the way, if you have the sermon supplement, these are in the supplement, I believe. Pray with the person. Come in the house with them. Read the Psalms together and go for a walk or exercise together. And I got these from the book Blame It on the Brain by Ed Welsh, who works at Christian Counseling Education Foundation. It's a really good book, talks about several areas, including depression. So let's look at these for a second. The first one, be physically present. Pain can tend to isolate people, can cause us to withdraw from others. Just be physically present. Second, pray with them. Have you ever been so upset or troubled that you couldn't pray? I have. It is a wonderful thing to ask somebody to pray for you, and not sometime, but right then. Okay, They're either with you or maybe even on the phone. And you say, look, I need prayer. Would you pray for me right now? And then to see God begin to answer the prayer as they pray. I'm not saying that the whole problem will be just like that solved and taken away. But there's light now in the darkness. You can, you can sense God's presence and his comfort. The next one, clean the house with them. Not for them, with them. One of the signs of depression is a loss of interest in daily activities. And one of the things that we uh, are doing, or at least should be doing, is cleaning the house, keeping, putting things away, washing dishes and that kind of stuff. But when you lose interest and there's no motivation and you're not doing it, it can start a spiral. Okay, If you, if you lose the interest and you're not cleaning and doing the dishes, that means the house is getting dirtier and dirtier and stuff stacks up and there's a mess. Well, the mess, as you see it, just adds to the weight of the depression. You know, It's so easy then to say, well, look at this. I'm a total failure. I can't even keep my house clean. So you come in and you work with them. Maybe it's just one room. Maybe it's just the kitchen. Do the dishes. You put things away. All of a sudden, there's a little light in the darkness. There's some hope. They've taken a step, possibly to working through things. And then reading the Psalms together. The Psalms honestly express a variety of emotions. And as you read them, the person listening, even if they're not able at the time to focus and concentrate, may see, you know what? I'm not alone in what I'm experiencing. Somebody else has gone through this. And there was hope for them. The other thing the Psalms do is they keep pointing us back to God. And then finally, go for a walk or physical exercise. Because physical exercise can help with fatigue. It can help with brain fog. It can begin to help lighten the darkness. Now, as you look at the list, notice you don't have to have any special training to do these. Except for maybe the cleaning. Ask your mom. She can help you do the cleaning. You don't need any special training to do these. And this isn't the whole list. It's just the beginning. It's some ideas, starter ideas. But these also fit with our church motto side by side. That we can come alongside somebody without having any particular special training and we can still encourage them, be a help to them, help lighten their load, which again is a biblical idea for us to do that. Question number two. What can you and I do to battle feelings of depression? And now we're talking about dealing with causes. 
First one, if the symptoms are so severe that they interfere with daily life, this is a person who's really deep into the de darkness of depression. They're not, they don't have the motivation, the strength, or everything else. They're not doing their, their work, their daily chores and things. Get medical help and possibly counseling. Remember that body and soul are connected, and if a person has been in the, the depths of the darkness of depression enough, their own brain chemistry can have been affected. And so there are medications that can help lighten that. It's not something to stay on all the time, but it can help for a time. And then notice the next three talk about the three causes, areas of causes. Work to address the physical contributors and symptoms. So, for example, if a person has been struggling with insomnia for you know several months, and that has helped to darken their whole outlook on life, deal with this insomnia so that the person is now getting a good night's sleep regularly that can help take care of that or other contributors. Work to address relational or circumstantial contributors. Now remember, some of these, like COVID, are outside of our control, but some of our relational problems come because of selfishness on one or both parts and other ways that we hurt each other. So deal with those, work on those biblically to be resolved. And then deal with spiritual problems biblically. Confess any known sin and claim God's promises uh, his promise of forgiveness and other promises that he makes, which take us to the last one. Soak yourself in God's word and God's promises. And this is now pointing us back to God's character, who God is and what God does and how God loves. So let's look at four verses, four passages. 1 Corinthians 10:13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Now, one thing to notice here is, one, God cannot be tempted, and he does not tempt us. We're tempted by our own desires. But what we see first is there, there is no temptation that we can ever experience that we can say is unique. Nobody else has ever had this before. We're told Jesus has been tempted in every way that we have, but he didn't sin. But then notice what God is doing. It says God is faithful. Let's say we have to be, because on the left of us ourselves, we can't be. But he's faithful. He's the one that's going to make sure that we don't get overwhelmed. And he's going to want the one that provides a way of escape. But notice not to just pull it out. Notice how the verse ends, to, so that we can endure it, to go through it. But you see something that isn't. There, notice there's something not here. God does not make a blanket promise to shield us from all problems. So we're going to have them. Then Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through him, referring to Jesus, who strengthens me. You don't see in the Bible where God says, you know what, get your act together, buck up, grit your teeth, and do a, you know work harder. If you just work hard enough, you, you can make me happy. He does not say that anywhere. Now, this is the kind of thing he says, that he's the one that provides strength. He's the one that helps us. Then Romans 8:32, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? This is a reminder that God is for us. 
God has a good purpose in all that his plans bring into our lives. And notice what he says. He who did not spare his own son, God, at great cost to himself, rescued us from ourselves. And then God promises to give us all that we need. 2 Corinthians 12.9, this is God speaking to Paul. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. God doesn't promise to remove all of our problems. But what he says is this, and this one is very clearly here, in that he says he promises his presence and his grace. He says they're enough for us. He'll give us this. I want to finish with the lyrics to a song that we're going to sing after we, as we close. The song is How Firm a Foundation. And don't let the ye and the thee and the thy throw you in the hat. That's old English. The ye and thee is you, thy is your. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he hath said, to you who for refuge to Jesus have fled. So he points us to his word, the word of God, and then you see in the last part of it, he says, run to Jesus. Verse 2, fear not, I am with thee, O be not dismayed, for I am thy God and will still give thee aid. I'll strengthen thee, help thee, and cause thee to stand, upheld by my righteous omnipotent hand. He's saying, God is saying, I am with you. Now we're going to see another reference to Psalm 23. He's with us all the time in the good and the hard. And here he's at the end of this verse, he says, I'm upholding you. You're not standing up on your own strength on the basis of all that you have done by yourself. God is the one who is upholding you. Then verse 3, when through the deep waters I call you to go, the rivers of sorrow shall not overflow. For I will be with you your troubles to bless and sanctify to you your deepest distress. This is Psalm 23, God leading us through the valley of the shadow of death, but here it's called the deep waters. God is the one leading us, but God also says he is working for our good. You can see all these pointers to the different verses and promises in God's word. Next, when through fiery trials thy pathway shall lie, my grace all sufficient shall be thy supply. The flame shall not hurt thee, I only design thy dross to consume, thy gold to refine. God's grace is sufficient. And he tells us what he's doing. He's working to refine us, to purify us, to make us more like Jesus. And then he ends with this. The soul that on Jesus hath leaned for repose, I will not, I will not desert to his foes. That soul, though all hell should endeavor to shake, I'll never, no, never, no, never forsake. That repose means that we're leaning on Jesus, we're trusting him, we're resting in him. We're not saying to ourselves, it's all up to me. I have to figure out how to deal with this. I have to figure out how to make this right. We're trusting in Jesus, and God says he won't ever forsake us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this song that points us back to your word again and again.
that you are with us. You will not forsake us, your children, that you've chosen to love, that you are working in our lives. You uphold us. You lead us in both the parts of life we enjoy and the parts that are hard. You are with us. You are our help. You are our hope. Lord, help us to trust in you. Help us to see your love for us. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing.